Welcome to Heating Up, a podcast about climate change, our dangerous future, and what you can do about it. Which is nothing? Oh, all sorts of stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's why we have the podcast. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm Derek. Uh, I'm Corinne. And yeah, welcome to our podcast. Yes. Uh, we're welcoming our thousands of new listeners. Hundreds of There must of thousands. be at least two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were not mentioned in a recent... So the, the reason we mentioned our new listeners is because we've been gone for a couple weeks as our, you know, dedicated, our loyal dedicated listeners, listeners know. know. So they're going to get their uh, heating up fix finally. It's good for them. Mm-hmm. But while we were gone, like right before we left, the Sacramento News and Review, a local weekly uh, newspaper, published an article. And the headline of that article was like, Climate change disasters, eight ways to get prepared. And so I saw it and I was like, oh, that's great. And then, would you believe that we had no mention at all? In that well, hard... honestly, that's <laughs> what an oversight on their part. Right? How dare they? <laughs> we have reached. We must be the a third dozen. largest disaster preparedness <laughs> podcast based in Sacramento. At least. And... <laughs> and they still didn't. So I wrote a letter to the editor, Corinne. Like a real nerd. Yeah, and it got published in the next episode or the next issue wow. of the Sacramento News Review with our little, they plugged us. So those hundreds of thousands of people who read the letters to the, the editors editor in of the Sacramento News and Review who are interested in a local climate disaster podcast. Well, the letter to the editor about a local climate. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, anyways. Yeah, thousands, I'd assume. We've well, gone welcome. viral. Isn't like that going said, viral? Welcome. Yeah, so thanks for li- listening. Thanks for giving uh, it a if shot. If you enjoy the podcast, maybe not the first two minutes of it, but the rest of it, if you like what else we do today. If you like one second of it. Any of it. The end of it. Yeah, give usually. us a like, subscribe, and a review on iTunes. The reviews really do actually help. And, and we thank you directly. We do not get so many of them that we can't <laughs> mention them. So the moment you review us, uh, the next week, we will likely talk about how much you loved us or hated us. But please don't give us a bad review. We Our fragile are egos deeply, deeply <laughs> self-conscious. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, Corinne does not even listen to the podcast. Because I try she, not to. I'm there the first time around. Yeah. You know? Why do you I, need to be around? Why for do I have time? to listen to it again? Not even just to inflate the numbers. Yeah. Okay. We're I'll, never going to get that cast Derek, for mattress money. I, I hate to break it to you. I do download the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to break it to you. That is inflating the downloads All number. Right. Sorry. Anyways, so what have you been up to, Corinne, for the last couple of weeks? Um, as you know, well, and some of you don't know, all I do is watch television. Uh, I finished the entire series of Mindhunter, which is nice. pretty good. That's the serial killer Netflix show? Yeah, it's like they, the beginning of, of criminal profiling. Okay. So, And then he does like interview famous uh, serial killers. But then I also recently, on the recommendation of our brother Brent, started watching Lodge 49. I've heard of it. Haven't actually watched it yet. It's pretty good. And Brent says that the main character, the sister, it reminds him of me. And I was like, let me see this. And then I was like, oh, no, too real. Too <laughs> close to reality. Uh-oh. Uh, but it's very good. I haven't finished that yet. And, uh, yeah, just uh, getting ready. The wedding, the countdown to my friend's wedding is very, like, less than just, like, a week and a half. Nice. Got your and dress, got your everything. I got my dress back yesterday with the hem done, so won't trip on it, probably. And uh, here we go. That's, nice. And then, then then I will be able to start saving money again. Well, you missed the family vacation. I know. Which was our preptacular vacation. We actually didn't get to do too much. I was hoping to get uh, more content from the vacation, but we did actually practice a couple of our preparedness stuff. We uh, used one of those uh, inline water filters on a hike. We took a long hike. Was it the one that I gave you? 
Uh, no, it was my uncle's one. Oh, a so better one. I used mine in camp, but we used his out on the hike. I didn't bring. We didn't need to bring two of them. But it works the same way. Where you fill a little bag and it, the water pulled through it. It worked really well, actually. So it was nice. So we got practice doing that. Obviously, we're camping, so we're cooking. You know, not using a house, so using <laughs> propane camp stoves and dehydrated food and all that. It was good. And so just basically, in general, you sleeping were prepared. Outside. Also, my hammock was perfect. Uh, <laughs> I uh, did mock it, so congratulations. You did mock it, but our campsite was on a hill. Like, we got to Yosemite, and the original campsite was on serious steep grade, like 20% grade. Like, there was no room for any tents. So all the other suckers in the family were like, where are this, this spot? Their tents were all sideways. All their stuff was sliding to one side of the tent. I just got a hung between two trees. Boop-a-doop. Laying flat. Look at you, Derek. What a what a Smart. wonderful husband and father. Wife and kids. Yeah, they stuck got stuck in the tent. In the tent, leaning, and you're like, look out, fools. I got my hammock. Yep. <laughs> Screw you. Exactly right. <laughs> no, but it was pretty good. So all in all, good vacation, and now we're back for the apocalypse. And everyone got a little break from us. Yeah, come back and... The Amazon. The Amazon is on fire. The wrong Amazon the is wrong. on fire. Yeah, I like that tweet. Uh, so do we just want to get right into the news, Corinne? <sighs> I guess. Yeah. All right. News. Here we go. I guess this week, what we'll do for the news, so we'll get back to our roots a bit. When we first started doing this, we had to have a gimmick for the news because Corinne just couldn't get through listen, 20 minutes of Everyone here knows how hard it is to listen to the news these days. Yeah. It's rough. Especially if your focus is entirely on climate change with there- a little bit of like other disaster thrown in. So this week, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to cover climate change story, and then we're going to cover a recent funny animal attack story. Thank or maybe God. not even funny, because, you know, a lot some of, of times, them... some of them involve animals and people dying. But, you know. You find the ones where people die often funny. I, I do. I la- <laughs> <laughs> Was it MJ said when she was young? Auntie and daddy laugh at bad choices. Daddy and auntie laugh at bad choices. That's right. So... All right. Uh, we'll start with the Amazon, though, because okay. that's on top of everyone's mind, because it's, you know, it's a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Amazon is on fire. I don't know how better to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably, this is probably the one climate change story you all are already aware of. Even though everything I've seen says, nobody's talking about it. I'm like, it's everywhere. Is it just the people I know, or? Yeah, it might be, like, I've self-selected. I definitely right. <laughs> have a high number of, like, climate change things that I follow, but... Yeah, the Amazon is on fire, and it's uh, their their version of Donald Trump's fault, and their, their version of Donald Trump's fault. Yeah, uh, well, the the president of the Amazon is, or the president of the Brazil. <laughs> Ooh, all right. The president of Brazil has gotten in trouble before the Amazon even started on fire because he wanted to open it up for exploitation and logging and deregulated stuff, and was encouraging people to clear land in the Amazon. So and the easiest way to clear land is to slag and burn it. And so some of those fires are out of control. There were some reports, and I don't know how true they were, that some fire, some of the fires were actually lit in solidarity. Like when you know people were like, we need to go put out those fires. Farmers were like, not only are we not going to put them out, we're going to light another fire. I heard that as well. So don't know the truth of something like that. It's hard in this day of the internet to know exactly what's 100% true, but... It feels true, doesn't it? It does. Uh, it's definitely too feels like the real sort of thing not to do. believe. I'm also seeing stories now, like this story has kind of gone full circle. Like you said, it started with, why is no one talking about the Amazon is on fire? And now, then there was just 24-7 Amazon is on fire. And now I'm getting stories about, also remember the Arctic is on fire. And also the... Uh, Which we rain- also covered. Yeah. 
Also, the rainforests of Africa are on fire, which I guess is also true. There's like more fires in the rainforests in Africa than there are in the Amazon, which is sad and terrifying and all that as well. But it's like they're now getting mad at the additional coverage that they screamed for about the Amazon. I don't know. It's a weird kind of vicious I'm news confused. cycle. So why is it bad that they're talking about the Amazon? Well, it started out that they weren't talking about it. Now they're over talking about it and there are other even more marginalized climate fires to talk about who could be who can get credit for being the coolest most the most woke, woke amazon <laughs> fire uh yeah i mean i get it out. we should definitely be talking about all of the horrible disasters as we do every week but is the amazon getting too much press here no, are mean, we gonna say that no and then there was of course the g7 summit that happened this week and they had a like climate change meeting that donald trump didn't go to well, and then he? during that meeting the g7 so the richest seven countries in the world pledged 20 million dollars to fight the fires in the amazon and 20 million dollars is a lot more money than i'll ever have but i loved the memes going around with like the budgets for various movies so it was right. like the emoji movie needed 50 million dollars to get made so it's like double that and we still wouldn't have anyway so yeah terribly small amount of money was donated to stop the fire i don't know it's a it's a mess down in there and who knows when it's going to happen the one thing i have appreciated about the amazon stories is that they've all been appropriately apocalyptic they've all talked about how the amazon you know is a huge carbon sink and you know filters our air and it's you know a lot of them are saying you know the amazon is a game over for the climate i hate that phrase and it gets so used if you read a lot of climate change news like we do all the time every bad story is a game over for the climate and yeah, that might be true, but still. Anyways, but all the stories about the Amazon are like, this is really bad, this is really bad, this is really bad. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, when that oil spill happened and it was just like leaking out hundreds of thousands of gallons every single day. And they're like, well, it's still going. We don't really have any solutions. So yeah, their solutions that's... were like, we're just going to throw a lot of trash <laughs> at it. See if that, see if this I just remember it. being like... I mean, that was years ago, and the problem seemed so much smaller then. But at the time, I remember being like, that's so much leaking out every day, and we're not doing anything. Just watching the live just, feed of oil just, just pouring more into people. and more and more. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. But yeah. So, I don't, I mean, we don't really have a good ending for the Amazon story, because it is still going on, right? It's not like a concluded story. But uh, we, we would be remiss not to talk about it top of the top of the news here. So... Yeah. There's your early bummer. Although I did see that Ariana Grande and Leo DiCaprio were at a climate conference thing and they tweeted a picture of they the could forest make a fire. They a power couple. Yeah. I think she might be too old for him though. She might how I thought Ariana, Ariana Grande looks like she's 12. Is that that's the right that's one, right? That's probably still too old for Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh Ariana Grande she's the girl with the real big ponytail, but I don't anyway. know. I don't know anything I meant about that it. as a dig to Leonardo DiCaprio, not to Ariana Grande or Ariana Grande. I don't know how you say her name, but I didn't mean it as a dig to her. Okay. We'll take it as a dig to Leo because yeah. we can always dig on Leo. Agreed. But he's going to solve the Amazon crisis because he got so then I'll 3 million him. likes on his photo. <laughs> All right. Next up, Corinne. Yes. We're going to do an animal attack story. All right. This I'm one ready. is a weird one. A kinkajou attacked a man in Florida. What's a kinkajou? Yeah. Good question, Corinne. Kinkajou, Corinne, <laughs> is a four-legged rainforest creature which resembles a monkey but is related to raccoons and lives in the tropics of South and Central America. 
It's a very weird looking. Some people would think it's adorable until it's like biting their face, but it has huge thing. eyes and like real short hair and like a long kind of prehensile tail like thing. Is this what Stitch was? Uh, <laughs> kind of looks like after. Stitch a bit, I guess, except for it's brown. Um, but yeah, it looks adorable. But apparently, what happened is someone had got one of these as a pet and they let it out or got lost or something happened. This is and in this Florida? Was like, Wait, this did was you mention it was in Florida? Did I just know that it was? You, you assume Florida, yes. something like this happens. And so it got out and this guy had been feeding it like at his front porch like he did with stray cats, I guess. Yeah. And so I guess... Maybe one, he thought it was a cat. Could be. I mean, yeah, maybe it's nocturnal, so maybe he didn't actually see it out yeah, there. Yeah. Either way, animal was waiting for him at the door. And so like he opened the door, maybe he didn't feed him that night and the animal was pissed. And so opens the front door and the kinkajou apparently like races in and like latches onto his leg and starts biting him. So he starts screaming bloody murder and drags the animal back into the house. And he and his girlfriend like hit it till it comes off of his leg. And then he, they like lock it in the bathroom till animal control could get there. So they're still trying to figure out what the hell it's doing in Florida. Did this thing die or the person? No. So this is a win. Yeah, this is a win. Okay. We'll get to the darker animal attacks later. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, for right now, this was just the most bizarre one. Okay. Kinkajou. Kinkajou. All right. Next story, Corinne. Oh, another bad news. Yeah. Now back to bad news. In an audio recording obtained by The Intercept, the American fuel and petrochemical manufacturers, a powerful lobbying group that represents major chemical plants and oil refineries. Is that the environmental group? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Uh, including Valero Energy, Coke Industries, Chevron, Exxon, and Marathon Petroleum, openly admitted that it has been playing a role behind the scenes in crafting all of those laws that have been recently passed to criminalize pipeline protests. Well, like, I mean, surprising they no to... one, right? No, but uh, uh, they went out. They were on camera or on record or whatever. So Derek Morgan, a senior vice president at the company, spoke at the Energy and Mineral Law Foundation conference in Washington D.C., explaining the role his group has played in criminalizing protests. They have apparently written like a, a textbook legislation and then given it to lawmakers along with their donation sort of thing. Like, here's 50 bucks, pass this law. Of course, it's like $50, 50 million dollars or whatever. But the laws have been introduced in 22 states and passed in at least nine so far. Any effort to sabotage pipeline infrastructure is already a federal crime, but they add crimes for even just... He's probably just thinking about it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, uh, for instance, the Oklahoma variation of the law, which copies the template leg- legislation, creates fines out of at least $10,000 and imprisons for up to a year demonstrators who have shown the intent to have trespassed to damage or in any way disrupt an infrastructure so even facility. even not being successful. Here's the thing. You don't even get in that much trouble for attempted murder. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and all you have to do is trespass to get those kind of crime so Ugh. if you step onto the property to like block the doorway if you're completely non-violent you don't have to like drill a hole in the pipeline like uh, jessica and ruby did you can just do a protest or a lockdown or any of the things that they've been doing to slow these pipelines and be uh up Can't for some of these laws capitalism those convicted of damaging or disrupting infrastructure face a minimum of 10 years in prison as well as as much as a hundred thousand dollars in fine it was i mean it was one of these stories that broke that was like surprised nobody but it's still true like they're working behind these things they're literally paying lawmakers to pass these laws at the same moment that the Amazon is on fire and we need drastic action Let's on climate change. just burn it all down really fast. That seems to be their idea, yeah. All right, you ready for your next animal attack story, Corinne? I'm ready. All right, this one is a murder mystery. Okay. <laughs> well, you're hitting all of my loves. Right? This uh, headline in this one is, Croc owner gets calls about missing relatives after metal plate discovered in belly. At a crocodile that farm... That is really confusing. Yeah, so at a crocodile farm in Australia, a really large crocodile... Uh, a beast called MJ, oh, died after losing another fight with a larger crocodile. 
which is terrifying because you see the picture of this thing and it's ginormous. That's the it's one a that dinosaur. lost to a bigger one. Yeah. And so they decided to like open up its stomach and in the stomach they found like rocks, which I guess crocodiles eat to help like chew the food because hmm. they, they can't like grind their teeth. They have to like bite whole pieces or something. I don't know. The rocks are normal, but what they'd found that was not normal in the belly was... Of the uh, belly of the beast? The belly of the beast, okay. yeah. Yeah, we were missing that one. So what they found that was not supposed to be in there was an orthopedic plate. So like a little piece of metal used to like attach a hip or something. Hmm. And so they're like... Suspect. Yeah, did this crocodile eat someone? Someone's gram- grandma. Someone's grandma. And so people that are, you know, have missing persons or, you know, that like wandered off, I guess, into the who wilderness. Who have and, those plates. Yeah, who have those plates are calling to see if they can figure out a way to find out if this is theirs, if they have the serial oh, number on it or God. something or what kind of plate exists specifically. Can you imagine getting to the point where you're like, well, grandma wandered off one day and now I'm going to start seeing if this crocodile ate her alive. That would be crazy. That is a really dark so, route. The crocodile somehow got a hold of somebody's orthopedic plate. Whether it was by itself or attached to a person at the beginning, we don't know yet. Because it could also have been, uh, no, this is Like medical trash. (laughs) Sure. It could have been someone who was murdered. And then this... Fed to the crocodile to get rid of the body. Or the crocodile came upon a dead body or part of it or who knows. Because these things just, I just assume in Florida, again, Florida. No, this is Australia. Oh, well, of the countries, that's the Florida, right? And you just assume that there's just murders everywhere and the alligators and the crocodiles own the entire state and well i think it's alligators in florida crocodiles elsewhere i don't know is I'm, it I, well because the crocodile hunter was australian so that seems to ring true with the logic either way this is a story that we will keep you updated on as new developments <laughs> emerge i guess yes uh speaking of development stories or developing stories Kren, we do have an update to an old story update yeah uh, the update here is, do you remember the French guy, the French uh, thrill seeker who was trying to fly his hoverboard across the How English Channel? How could I forget? He assumed he had a 30% chance. And he didn't make it the first time, right? He tried to land to refuel and like missed the, thing, like not clipped the uh, edge of the platform and like fell into the ocean. Real unfortunate. Uh, ending his trip. Well, he tried it again only like a few days later. So earlier this month, he successfully crossed the English Channel in about 20 minutes. Uh, using his hoverboard so pretty soon we're all going to be flying from france to england on hoverboards screw the channel Uh, (laughs) it's all about hoverboards now i guess so all you got to do is stop in the middle of that is choppy waters and refuel i mean a good number of you will fall into the ocean but it's worth it for a hoverboard right 70 percent of you we assume will fall (laughs) in the ocean (laughs) those are the people who aren't inventors and have been, been practicing so right yeah all right Time for another bad story this time. Okay. So I came across a report this week that basically explains why we even bother with our podcast. Excuse me? Yeah. So according to a new investigation from E&E News, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, is woefully unprepared for future catastrophes after misspending billions of dollars and countless hours of staff time on relatively minor recovery efforts. Well, we have already discussed that FEMA has been saying we can't get to you for two weeks. Sure. Well, what's funny about this is, so the way that FEMA works is when there's a disaster or an emergency, the states have to request FEMA aid. So the, the, so like if there's, if the the city of Sacramento flooded, 
California would be like, we can't handle this on our own. FEMA, help us. And FEMA will slowly make their way here. Donald Trump will tweet something nasty about it. And then eventually they'll do a half-assed job. Oh my God, Sacramento would be so great because Donald Trump would be like, oh, those lawmakers, it's the swamp trying to clear itself out or something Something. like that. It would be terrible. Uh, You can only imagine the mean tweets of Donald Trump. Trump Anyway, the problem is that states know that they can ask FEMA for help. And then they don't have to pay for it themselves. The federal Ah. government will pay for it. So they're asking FEMA for help even when they could probably do it themselves. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense because if someone's going to buy your dinner, you know, you let them buy your dinner. You don't buy your own dinner. Well, that must be what Donald Trump thinks Puerto Rico's been doing. Yeah, we'll get to those (laughs) tweets later. But uh, yeah, so they've been hitting out, helping out states with minor incidents, but it's become like death by a thousand cuts. So it's Mm -hmm. like three million here, five million here, and it's taken up their resources. They're also critically understaffed. Um, So what I was seeing here is the the agency currently has about 3,600 available emergency worker jobs compared to about 6,000 at the time, at this time, two years ago. Uh, Only two years ago, they've cut in half? Yeah, in two years, they have half the number of people available to respond to emergencies at any given time. And that was before... we have more emergencies. (laughs) Yeah, more. so emergencies are only getting worse. So basically, you can't rely on FEMA. I I wouldn't make that my plan. You should be prepared. If only there was some sort of podcast that would help you with that sort of thing. We prepared you, right, in the last 20 minutes? Yeah. You're prepared. Well, I mean, in the past. You go back, listen to our old episodes. We're going to do more preparedness as time goes along, too. Over time. Anyways, thought it was interesting. So, yeah. well, great. Well, we already knew that that's kind of, you know, we knew they wouldn't get to us to two weeks. So, ready for another animal attack? Yes, thank All God. All right. Safari Lodge owner, known as Lion Man, can you guess what happened to him? I hope he was mauled to death. Mauled to death by his <laughs> captive cats. Yeah. 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 Wouldn't good. you just know it? Well, maybe you should leave big cats alone. Yeah, South African lodge owner, known as the Lion Man, was mauled to death by big cats on his game reserve. Leon von Bijlon, 70 years old. Wait on, wait a second. Leon van Biljon, B-I-L-J-O-N. It's Dutch, so it might be like a yon. I don't know. It could be anything. Um, But was killed by his own captive lions Tuesday at Mahala View Lion Lodge as he attempted to fix a broken fence, it says here. The three lions that attacked the lodge owner were reportedly shot dead so medics could attempt ah, to save him. Dang it. So, But he died anyway. They should have left the lions anyway. alone. Yeah. Anyway, so, some, well, some vengeance for the lions. You know, they weren't living a good life either way, so they went down killing the man who ruined the, their own lives, right? Yeah. All right, Corinne, we could talk about Donald Trump since we've already gotten into it. There's a couple of climate change-related Donald Trump stuff going on. The first, I think we'll start, (laughs) we'll leave the Greenland stuff for later. We'll do that as a whole separate thing. Okay. I think we should start with his, did you see his recent uh, mean tweets at Puerto Rico? Not recent, no. Oh, yeah, this was, I think, just this morning. still tweeting about Puerto Rico? I think it was just yesterday or just this morning because there's a hurricane or a tropical storm that might turn into a hurricane that may end up hitting Puerto Rico, so they're preparing for another storm. Uh, You know, that's life in the Caribbean, and, of course, storms are getting worse and more common due to climate change. But Donald Trump was like, Puerto Rico, who we gave $92 billion to, by the way, they did not give $92 billion to, uh, is going to get hit by yet another storm or whatever. Like, it bl- basically blaming Puerto Rico for the hurricane, it seemed like. That he- and then he went off on how it's the most corrupt and worst place on the planet and all this stuff. And then he said that he was the greatest thing to ever happen to Puerto Rico. <laughs> I, honest to God, 
I wish I could live as Donald Trump's brain works. Like, you're the greatest thing on the planet. This whole thing is, I, I'm the greatest. I can't, can you imagine having a brain that works that way? Where you're just so confident? That's how I live my whole life. Well, you are a, you are <laughs> a mediocre a white, white man. Yeah, so. so, there we go. But jeez. Yeah, I, I, what is it like to not be confident, have supreme confidence in your mediocrity? I mean, he's crazy. Right? It was just weird. But that was not the only climate change-related randomness of Donald Trump this week on Twitter. He also got into a little bit of a kerfuffle over tweeting or a, a report that came out that Donald Trump has multiple occasions asked about the ability to nuke potential hurricanes. <laughs> so, like... <What? laughs> yeah. <laughs> the plan, which uh, I'll, I'll be fair to Donald Trump and say this, since the creation of the nuclear bomb, there have been random times where some scientists has talked about the f- theoretical feasibility of using nuclear weapons to defuse a hurricane like as it gets formed. So it creates such... Okay, but Donald Trump is not a scientist. Yeah, not a, not a genius. He didn't read up on this. He just thought, like, throw some bullets at it. But, like, even though scientists are like, in theory, it could work. So you drop the nuke, I guess, in, like, the eye of the, her- the storm, and, like, it creates enough of disruption, like, to get the wind going the wrong to direction. Keep it like, from essentially, catching, like, uh, stop speed or whatever. Yeah, something. I don't know. But the bottom line, they also say that the potential downsides, first, of dropping another nuclear bomb, and second... <laughs> Of not doing that and then having radiation in the Swirling storms. around. Yeah. Like, imagine a nuclear hurricane, guys. Like, That's what we're going to have next The idea week. there is like, well, that, the, the downside, the, the win-loss on this. The win is stops a hurricane. Loss is nuclear hurricane. They're like, not At worth it, guys. At least we know not how hurricanes it. that aren't nuclear work. Right? <laughs> so, either way, apparently he's brought it up on a couple of occasions, according to the story. And Donald Trump, of course, is saying that that's a lie. But that if he did nuke it, it would be the greatest. Uh, <laughs> of course. I didn't say that. But if I did, it's because I'm totally right. Yeah. He's like, but now that you mention it. Uh, anyway, so those are the Donald Trump uh, climate tweets. He's managing to get them in while he's uh, at the G7 summit or whatever he's doing. Between missing, Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, missing the climate meetings. All right, we've got another. This actually, this story actually made the news. It was what do kind you mean of a big the deal. News? Well, a bigger deal than the okay. other ones. Uh, I didn't have to go digging for it nearly as much because this one is a classic animal attacking classic people. It's like a, the creation myth of animal attacks. It's a wolf that attacked a sleeping camper in Banff National Park in Canada. Interesting. So a family of four visiting Banff, uh, Alberta from New Jersey, two young boys and their mom and dad, got the surprise of a lifetime when apparently a wolf ripped into the tent, grabbed the dad by the leg, and started dragging him out into the woods. They went for the biggest one? <laughs> I don't think... I think it was probably pretty dark. I think wow. he just grabbed what he could grab and went up there. How no did they get sure. into the tent? They're, they have These teeth claw? and claws, and tents are made of like the flimsiest, lightest material oh, in the world. God. A tent is not a very secure building. I understand, so, but... I'm just saying... Apparently went in there, like started grabbing his leg. And so like the family like grabbed onto the man. They all started screaming and another camper nearby came over, like heard the shouts, like went over, saw the wolf dragging this dude off and like kicked it. He said, he kicked it. Yeah, he kicked the wolf uh, just to get it to let go. And then he bit the other guy. Probably. So he said, quote, I had a good running or a good run going at the time and it was just so quick and the screams were so intense and I knew it was obviously a terrible situation. So I just kind of kept running at it and just kicked it sort of in the back hip area. So he like kicked it, kicked it on the butt and (laughs) gave it a good old butt kick, right? 
And then uh, he doesn't think the kick injured the wolf, but was enough to startle it. Uh, the animal let go of its would-be prey, uh, but didn't run away. And then he, the guy who kicked it started wondering if he had just made a big mistake. <laughs> he Maybe said, he kicked the hornet's well, nest. Uh, it felt like I had kind of punched someone that was way out of my weight class. Because <laughs> I'm sure that the wolf, who was literally like blood dripping from his teeth things, uh, yeah. <laughs> turned and looked at this guy and then in what must have this... been a moment of sheer terror for that guy he's like i've made a terrible I've mistake made a huge mistake <laughs> yeah, exactly right uh but apparently uh they all just started yelling at the wolf and then the wolf realized that it didn't have like the element of surprise anymore and, and he's it was like i a, could probably take all of you but i'm gonna yeah and so like ran off into the woods but so the wolf didn't die and the people didn't die mm-hmm. well that's a win Oh, nope, the the wolf did die. Okay, yeah, God, so great. It says here, Parks Canada tracked the wolf believed to be responsible for the attack to a location about one kilometer south of the campground and killed it. DNA tests confirmed that it was the wolf that was responsible. Uh, veterinary tests have confirmed that the wolf was in very poor condition and basically starving and at oh. the end of its natural lifespan. So it was starving to death. That's why? That makes a lot of sense as to why it would decide this is the high risk, uh, high reward high risk situation. situation. Oh, man, uh, see, now I just feel bad. I hate but there have been, uh, this was the first attack in a national park, within a national park by a wolf. There have been attacks in other parks, um, but this was the first one in a national park in Canada. Interesting. Well, now I just feel bad for that poor starving wolf. Yeah. Well, at least he's not starving anymore. Give him the anymore. person. Like that guy, <laughs> he's already got two kids. No. I mean, there's seven billion people. How many I mean, wolves are there? at least he's there? a person who visits national parks and doesn't want to destroy them. So. I know a lot of people who do visit national parks want to destroy them. Remember when Joshua Tree got all screwed up during the... Oh, I know. Yeah. Next story, Corinne. God, uh, that felt like a negative one. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Didn't feel like a, a breather, palate cleanser. Wasn't a good one? No, it was good. I just depressing all right so the next story we're gonna have corinne we only really kind of have like two and a half more this one's kind of a one and a half stories okay so i don't know if you've been paying any attention but uh greta thunberg the mm-hmm. activist she has been on a boat crossing the atlantic to high you know to go to a climate conference in new york and the reason she took a boat was to highlight the fact that like planes are very very wasteful of carbon and we don't need them obviously we've existed on this planet for most of our existence without them but that could be said of capitalism and everything but we're <laughs> it, 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 just we just did. think about the planes okay Shh. so the planes are bad and so she took a boat and there this is to highlight a movement a swedish movement called flygskam f-l-y-g-s-k-a-m that sounds like it to me flygskam which loosely translates to flight shame Good. I don't think it loosely. I think that sounds like it pretty <laughs> much exactly literally right. is flight shame. Uh, and encourages people not to fly if other transportation is available. So she just arrived in New York, I think today, actually. And so Did she arrive with scurvy? <laughs> lacking scurvy, I guess. I don't I don't have the Thurnberg <laughs> updates. Uh, either way, so the some people were saying that this was just a publicity stunt and like so they what were if hating, it on, is? hating on Greta for it. I think it's great. I mean, this 16-year-old is an amazing person, I think. And I think there's a lot of haters out there who just want to, like, why can't we just have nice things, guys? Why, why can't, can't we, just... we just be grateful that we have her? <laughs> right, you know? exactly. But there was a an article I read, like, at the same time I was reading this, that was saying that, you know, shame is not a great way to get people to do things. And I thought that was weird because you and I, Corinne, That's we're... That's our biggest motivating factor. Mo- biggest motivating factor, real fans of shame just on the general principle it idea. It actually upsets me when people don't have enough shame. Exactly. I if have there's been one thing missing saying, in this have world. you no shame? Yeah. 
more shame is what's needed. Yeah, so people we're all for the flight shame movement. Being... I'm all for all shame movements. <laughs> and we're talking even body shaming. <laughs> but but that's if you have a perfectly good body too. Sure. Cover up. Nobody Cover needs up. to see your abs. That's Nobody You should be that. ashamed of your vanity. Ashamed of your vanity. Very Puritan of you, Corinne. Thank you. All right. So either way, climate scientist Catherine Hayhoe was quoted in an article talking about how shame doesn't work saying that instead of shame, we should, quote, talk about values that we share, connect the dots on what matters to climate and how that affects us, and then talk about positive solutions that we can get on board with that make our lives better. What values do we share with people who want to destroy the planet? Right? Like, there's a there's a thing that I exists. want my family to live. You would like my family to die. Where, where, there's no common ground right? here. Right? Some people want to put out the fires on the Amazon. Some people want to start fires <laughs> in the Amazon. I feel like... You can't even be like, okay, well, we, we both want to breathe. No, you want to poison the air. You know? Yeah. Like, there's no basic grounds you can agree with these people on. I exactly. disagree. I disagree. 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 Shame, Shame is, is a good motivator. And I saw another article about shame. So we're going to keep talking about shame because this is one you'll like. Shame, shame, shame. shame. Exactly. (laughs) So there's a Swiss organization known as the Alps Initiative that apparently gives out an award called the Especially Especially Absurd Shipping Award as a way of highlighting the ridiculously large carbon footprints many products get due to their supply chain. And so it releases the nominees for this award as a way to try and shame them into being better about their supply chain. Right. Okay. So perfect. So do you want to hear what the... I would uh, love to talk about what people should be ashamed of. Yes. Thank you. So here are the top three items that were up for this award this year. Okay. So the first one was Italian prosciutto ham. Mm, So again, this is in Switzerland, which borders Italy. But the ham from pigs that are slaughtered in the Netherlands, then processed in Italy before being cut and packaged in Austria, and then sold in the Swiss supermarkets. I have some questions. Yeah. So you kill the pigs in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. All right. And then I mean, you're you immediately like, I've freeze got them. dead carcasses. You freeze them and you send them in a refrigerated airplane or van or something to Italy. Okay. Then they are processed so that they can be Italian prosciutto there. So you turn them into the bacon there. Okay, so they're baked there, and then, and then you send you, them out to be packaged into their little in a factory in Austria. Pretty marketing. Yeah, and then you sell them in Switzerland. Yeah, I mean that's pretty bad. Yeah, so it's nine times a bigger carbon footprint than just buying local bacon. Buy local. That's what they say. Yeah. Right. They right? right. Well, that's part of it. Is the carbon footprint is just is a like a egregious example of it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty common for pretty much everything though. Anyways, next one, Norwegian water. So again, we're in Switzerland where you can get like Avion and Swiss water just right out the tap, I think. You think that's their toilet water is like the cleaner, cleanest water around. Right. So this Norwegian water is bottled in glass, then transported by ship and truck over 15,000 kilometers to Swiss Migos supermarkets. Is glass part of the problem? I think glass is probably part of the problem, but either way, it's one of the... Well, some people say that glass is better because you can reuse it or whatever. I don't know if these get recycled or whatever happens. I feel like glass is I think the bottom line is, why are you buying bottled water at all when you can just drink water? Yeah. I mean, listen, the people in Flint, Michigan would love it if they could just drink their tap water. That's true. So do we need to get this special water? Yeah. And then the last one, the one that I think is actually going to win... Is Swiss Deluxe Air. Now, this is a product that's for sale. So, cans of Deluxe Air, which are shipped to Asia. So, they're sold, I guess, in Asia. But they're what happens to them is they are 
bottled air from the Swiss Alps. So some guy's up there. He's got a little mason jar, and he just kind of goes, and swings his arm in the air to capture it, closes the lid, close it tight. Well, I think it's a little more high-tech than that because it says that they're spray cans of Swiss Deluxe air. But either way, so (laughs) the air is for breathing. Like, that is the point. You're supposed to breathe it. It's infinitely more carbon dioxide than just breathing the local air. Uh, But if the spray can is exported to Thailand, for example, it covers almost 20,000 kilometers, according to the Alps Initiative. So all of that has to be, you know, fossil fuel transportation. So, Yeah, that's the winner because... (sighs) Shame. Shame Shame. on Swiss Deluxe Air. (laughs) Should be an airline, really. It does sound like it. They should do both, because since they're already flying there, you could just... Yeah, just have some bottles on the outside of the arms of the the plane, and they catch catch the air. They have like a little lid that comes down. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Automate the whole thing. Perfect. Twofer. You got rid of all the union workers. (laughs) (laughs) Thought you liked unions, Corinne. Oh, union destroyer. Anyways, that's that story. Next. That was nice. Maybe last animal attack story. Okay. Emotional support dog attacks American Airlines flight attendant. Well, that was, I'm surprised. Inevitable. That was going to happen. <laughs> well, no, here's the thing is you said dog, but I could have pictured a, uh, uh, an alligator or what was that animal that that guy Kinkajou? got? Kinkajou. <laughs> Emotional People support People are just Kinkajou. bringing all sorts of weird ass on planes. I just. They're really pushing this emotional support animal thing. Either way. Uh, this dog, which I'm sure never bites anyone. Never. I dogs. That's that the, right before every they bite time you. you get bit, someone says, don't worry, he's friendly. Yeah, uh, confirmed the, the flight attendant uh, was treated and fine. Did not need any medical aid afterwards, so I guess it was a, a, a little bite. But either way, come on, man. Like, Don't bring your biting dogs on the airplane. Your bring, dog bites? It's not Maybe an Maybe pay a friend to dog. watch them. I, I almost, or I did, I guess, technically get bit by a dog the last week. I was setting, so I had to, we had a soccer tournament, and so I went out there early to set up the flags and stuff yeah. on the corners of the soccer fields, and there were a bunch of people out there with their dogs off of leashes. You could tell that they, like, go out there every week or every day or whatever with Aren't their there dogs. dog parks for them to do There this are, but this they're... is just a normal park where okay. they can poop on the soccer fields, <laughs> and... One of those little yippy dogs came chasing after me. I was not close to these people. This dog was at least a whole soccer field away from me, or from his owner. And I'm setting the flags, and this dog is circling, yipping at me. And then it, like, nipped at my legs as I was doing this. And I'm wearing pants and, you know, shoes or whatever, so tiny little dog didn't do any damage. But the owner yelled, and he's like, he doesn't bite. And I'm looking at this dog literally biting me. And he, I'm looking at the guy yelling me he doesn't bite. And I'm like... He's biting me. Right now. You're telling... Okay, Donald Trump. Right. But, uh, yeah, put your goddamn dogs on a leash, people, or take them to a place where they're allowed to be off You wouldn't believe it based off of this podcast today, but we're pro-dog. But come on. Your dog bites, put them on a leash. Especially since the rule is it's supposed to be on a leash. We're also rule followers. I think that's our problem, Corinne. (laughs) We're big on rules. Yeah. And now we're shaming dog owners who take their dogs off of a leash. It's It's for their safety. It's for their safety and the safety of other people and other dogs. Sure. And, uh, you know. Everything. Next one. Uh, Is this the last This will be the last news story. Oh, thank God. So we're going to talk about Greenland a little bit because that made the news while we were gone. Yeah. Speaking of Donald Trump. Speaking of Donald Trump, you probably heard Donald Trump talk about how he wanted to buy Greenland. The owners of Greenland, which is Denmark, uh, apparently. Yeah, I didn't know that, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) 
said. Did you? Well, it's like semi-autonomous. So I did know that uh, Greenland was part of Denmark, but it basically is allowed to run on its own, kind of. It's like very little. It's it's kind of Denmark. Interesting. It's mostly just Greenland. But uh, either way, uh, I guess Greenland or Denmark owns them, but they're not interested in selling. Uh, it wasn't ah, like it was on the market. It wasn't like there's a Craigslist ad for they Greenland. They didn't put a for sale sign up? No. The prime minister she, of, of Denmark, she said that it was an absurd idea that, that Donald Trump was being absurd. And so Donald Trump took offense to her None not taking him seriously. None of his ideas are absurd. Yeah. And so he called her a nasty woman because apparently she didn't take everything he says seriously or just concede to his demand that they sell Greenland. That's his favorite thing to say, nasty woman. Yeah, any woman in any sort of power or political office who... Or opposition to him in any, any way. way is a nasty woman. Either but way. Even the ones that he are his prey are nasty women. Yeah. Never mind. So he then decided that he was going to cancel a state trip to Denmark, uh, which up until that moment had nothing to do with buying Greenland and then everything to do with, you know, tariffs or whatever the hell else they talked about on these state trips. Decided we're not going to Greenland anymore, to Denmark anymore, till they sell it to us, I guess. I don't know. No price, of course, is set for Greenland. But what I find interesting is that this has clear climate change connections that aren't really made clear in most of the articles we talk about. Most of the articles are about, like, if they take it seriously at all, they're about, like, well, why would Donald Trump want to buy Greenland? And all those reasons come back around to climate change a little bit. So the first reason why Greenland is strategically important is because all of the Arctic ice is melting. And so the shipping routes and navigation routes are being opened up over there. And we already talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago about the floating nuclear plant that Russia <laughs> is putting in the Arctic. Yay, Russia. Well, like because they're, they're looking to develop oil and gas resources in the Arctic, and so is the United States. It's not like we're not. Mm -hmm. uh, and Greenland would be a great base to launch things from to get to the Arctic, to get to some of those resources. And so one of the reasons we might be interested in purchasing Greenland or owning Greenland is because now it's more important to us because the Arctic is melting. Mm -hmm. uh, another great reason is because the Arctic is being militarized again, by Russia and the United States because it's opening up. Our and favorite, so we our favorite twin countries. We already have a military base on Greenland, and we might want more of them. Uh, again, tied directly to climate change and global instability, which is only increased because of climate change. And then the third reason is that Greenland is a big source of rare earth minerals, apparently. So rare earth minerals, most all of them come from China, and so... Greenland apparently has been discovered as one of these places that might have a ton of them available. And as Greenland itself melts, th those are becoming available for mining operations. So it would be very rich in those. And we should talk about Greenland itself melting a little bit, I think. Because that's a big deal. Because if you are j didn't pay attention to global politics, but just paid attention to climate change politics, you'd already be very aware of Greenland. Greenland would have already been in the news. Because it is melting at an incredible rate. If you ever look at like tremendous. a... Yeah, tremendous. Huge. Huge. The most luxurious, greatest rate. <laughs> uh, but so like you look at a map from when we were kids of Greenland and it wasn't green. It was covered in ice, right? It was right. literally shown like this ice island. Well, that was that joke. It was like Donald Trump buys Greenland and then realized it's a pile of ice. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, it's not a pile of ice anymore because that ice is melting crazy fast. It's melting... It, Greenland is heating up like 10 degrees faster than the rest of the planet. And the ice is melting so fast. By the end of the summer, about 44 billion tons of ice, maybe more, will have melted or calved off of Greenland's giant ice sheet in the last year. 
That's so much I don't even know how to like picture that as. Like, well, how much normally melts I, off? I can it? tell you that's enough water to flood Pennsylvania or the country of Greece by about a foot over the entire state. Still. It's, it's hard to imagine that <laughs> much water. It's crazy. These numbers. And what did it used to melt at? But in the past is that like some of the top or the bottom of it would melt and then it would refreeze when it got colder. Okay. Now it's just not refreezing at all. So it's just constant ice loss. So like Arctic ice like would like wax and wane. So mm-hmm. in the summer it would shrink a bit and in the winter it would get bigger and then it would shrink. Now it shrinks and stays and, stays, and then shrinks and then stays. And it doesn't, it, there's not enough cold to it's regenerate the back. ice. Mm-hmm. And so, and a lot of this ice is melting into the ocean. So it's, yeah, it's a crazy amount of ice that's melting. And if Greenland's entire ice sheet melts, which is the way it's going, that alone could raise global sea levels 19 feet. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's goodbye to every city on the coast of America and the world. It's too bad it doesn't, you know, do that to the center of America. (laughs) Whoa, you and your (laughs) hatred of the heartland, Corinne. Well, you know, if we I were... I mean, if... to be fair, the center of America has been flooded for like the last seven months. <laughs> okay, fine. But... <laughs> what more do you want, Corinne? You know, then Maybe those people who never... I think it kind of is doing it to the center all right, of America. Fine. All right, fine. Just saying. You're going <laughs> to drown all the good cities. So yeah, I mean, Greenland is in the news uh, for climate change reasons as well as Donald Trump crazy reasons. Right. Yeah. Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. Yeah. Speaking of the oceans rising, I did remember one more story. I didn't write it down on here, but there's just too much to cover while we were gone, Karen. We can't take much more. This is not really that bad. but uh, (laughs) In the scale of everything. Well, we had talked in the past, another news update, I guess. Update. Some episode in the past, we mentioned that uh, Indonesia is going to be moving their capital city. Yes. Because Jakarta is going to flood. Right. And they're like one of the few countries that it's at least accepting the reality that they're main city is sinking and the, the waters are rising and that they're going to have to move. So they selected where they're going to go and they're going to go to the island of Borneo, which is an island in Indonesia. The problem is that it's an underdeveloped island. And so the, a lot of people are concerned that by moving the capital, it's essentially just going to cut the forest down in Borneo to oh. build a new city. So that's the plan. They're going to be like, okay, we're going to build a whole new city. Like what was, I thought maybe it was more of like a... Move it from one city, move it from D.C. to Boston or something. Well, no, I thought more, it was more of like a, I don't know how you say it, like a, like a, just a by word of mouth. Well, that's not our capital. This is our capital. Like, uh, like you what are you going to do? Just, you're just going to and... scoop up all the people and then just drop them over there? Well, how the people are going to have to go somewhere because, yeah. I mean, that's the whole climate refugees crisis that's, you know, we're already experiencing and it's only getting worse. Well, how are you going like, to get all those people to this new capital? I don't know. I don't they, understand. They got boats, I guess. <laughs> Airplanes. Greta Thunberg's don't go boat. by airplane. Yeah. Shame on Shame. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying that they announced it was going to be on the island of Borneo, but people are upset that that just is going to cause more deforestation. So you just can't win with climate change. No. No. But that's the end of the news. That's the end of the news. Oh, thank God. All right. Thank you. So yeah, rough rough restart for us, Corinne. We'll get back into it. I think we'll end there. We won't get into any prepping today, but next week, Corinne. Let's see if my basil plant is still alive. we'll, We'll see if your basil is alive. We'll do some other updates, and then we're going to do some financial preparedness for disasters. Oh, no. We you... talked about it a little bit oh, in the past. no. We're going to get into that one. It's a, it's a rough one for you, Corinne. You knew I was broke, didn't but... you? <laughs> we're all broke, <laughs> but we all might want to at least take some common sense steps to get our get our, get our our finances in order uh, uh, well, before we flee the coming tide. It's what I need. Yeah. Thank all you. right. So that'll be next week. 
Uh, we'll do a little bit of news, but we'll focus on that. And that's, I guess, it for this week, Corinne. Thank you for listening. So, yeah, hopefully, if you liked it, subscribe, write a review, write us an email, just tweet us. I don't know. You can. We do have a Twitter, at Heating Up Pod. We are on Facebook. Uh, our Instagram, Corinne's got locked out of it. Uh, I don't know the password, <laughs> all right? Things happened. With a podcast, what pictures are we going to post? Our ugly mugs don't belong on the internet. That's, That's why true. we do a podcast. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Have a good day. Oh, 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 oh,